Hey, my name is Josh Walker. I'm one of the owners of Arete Investing, and this is going to be part two of our core beliefs. So where we left off, we were kind of touching on IRAs, 401ks, uh, traditional retirement accounts. So these vehicles are generally blindly adopted and misguided. So it, it's a it's a short-term solution for a long-term problem. So it can sound good that you can put a significant amount of money into a retirement account and avoid taxes this year. And then it grows and then you pay taxes on the growth later. And the general thought process is that you are going to be in a lower tax bracket later. And so you'll pay less percentage of taxes on that growth or on that entire amount over time. And Who's to say if that is going to play out? Uh, the odds of the the, the percentage uh, that that is required for each tax bracket going up over time is all but assured. The government is likely not going to significantly decrease the percentage of taxes that you pay uh, within each individual each individual tax bracket. So you're you're kind of playing this game that you don't have all the rules to. They can a lot of people. I've heard this termed as you're kind of partnering with the government to see what's going to happen to your retirement savings. And I don't know about you, but I have no desire to partner with the government with my own future wealth. So these things, uh, there are a lot of options that you have with retirement accounts that most people are completely uh, ignorant to. And so one of those is self-directed IRAs. And so one of the major problems with a lot of these, this isn't necessarily true for 401ks, but for traditional IRAs, you're generally, it's view, the general view is that you're limited to the stock market. You can't use these to go invest in real estate or other things. And so that being the case, uh, we've talked about a lot of the issues with some of the, uh, with the stock market in general. So if that's the only option that you have, that that again is just horribly flawed. But you do have the option to take that money from the custodian that it's in. The best way to think, of, think about it is you move it to a separate custodian, essentially a separate platform, not your traditional fidelities and, and the like. Um, but you move it to a self-directed IRA custodian and then you have much more access to it. You can essentially invest it in there. It's more, there's more to it than this. There's more detail than this, but you can essentially invest it in anything other than the stock market. Now you can't loan it to your brother. You can't just take the money out and use it. You can't put it into your house that you're going to live in, but you can invest that money into a, a rental property or a syndication. Uh, it has to be an arm's length transaction, but you can create, you can take an existing IRA or general retirement account uh, that already exists and move that over into something that gives you more control and allows you to invest in real assets. Now, the, the best way to think about that is when you do that, the IRA owns that asset. You don't own that asset. Now, it's your IRA, but any of the cash flow that's generated from that asset goes back to the IRA and you still take it out later in life, whenever you want to take it out um, as a distribution and you pay taxes on that. So that's a better version 
than just having all these wildly diversified mutual funds, but there's still a flaw because you're still paying full taxes on that amount when you take it out later in life. So think through when you're considering taking advantage of something like an IRA or a 401k, you need to truly think through the long-term, the full cycle wealth build that that is going to create versus what are your other options? The other options generally being pay taxes on that today. It's, it's, if it's earned income, don't hide it away into one of these vehicles, but take that money, put it into an asset that you're paying for today and let that asset create wealth for you, create tax advantages for you long-term. And in general, from what we've seen, that is a much, much more fruitful way to create wealth than shoving money into one of these traditional retirement accounts. Again, a lot of these things revolve around taxes. So one of our core beliefs is you should learn about taxes. Now, no one is going to sit there and learn the entire tax code, especially if you are not uh, an accountant, a CPA. That Accountants and CPAs are um, amazing resources to have, and everybody should have one that they trust and that works with them to build these strategies. But going back to you should take control of your finances. This is your money. That means you should work with these CPAs, just like you don't want to rely on a money manager to determine which stocks they think are going to be best and charge you a fee to do this. You should not completely rely upon a tax accountant of any form to blindly say, you gave us all this, all these pieces of paper. Here's what you owe in taxes. And they give you no strategy. They give you no advice. They don't say, Hey, you know, you know, next year, if you were to invest in X, Y, and Z, you could significantly decrease your tax burden. That's the kind of person that you want to work with. Those people can be wildly valuable. So another part of the problem, it, there's this, this thing where people are scared to death to give financial advice and to give tax advice. And that is crazy. You should 100% rely upon experts to give you advice on the nuances of the tax code. But it's crazy to think that no one should give you advice on things like, should I use, should I invest in a retirement account or should I put that in an asset? Or what? how can I leverage the equity in my house? Or what do you think about buying a car for the purposes of a write-off to help me from a tax standpoint? Those are very general uh, options that people have and people should discuss these openly and say, okay, that from what I've seen in my experience, these are the advantages. These are the disadvantages. Yes. hundred percent. Take that knowledge, take that information and then go discuss the details with a very highly qualified expert. But so many people are scared to death to, to not say anything that that's part of the problem. Everybody lives in this bubble and it's a limited amount of information. And then you could go Google stuff and who knows where that's pulling from and what you can trust. So 
when we go back to take control of your finances, decide what you want to invest in and really start trying to understand the tax implications of these separate types of investments. Um, another core belief is that diversification is grossly overhyped. So Warren Buffett, the greatest value investor that the planet has ever known, his advice to anyone who wants to do what he has done is essentially you're not, you're not going to do what he has done. He sits around and reads financial reports uh, on companies for he's quote, he's been quoted as saying six hours a day. I don't know if he still does that, but for the majority of his life, he spent most of his day, most of his working hours pouring through these financial reports on companies. And that's how he decided which, uh, which companies to invest in. His advice is that you should invest in index funds and widely diversified index funds, whole market, the entire stock market as a whole index funds. The reason he gives that advice is because those are low fee options. There is a fee, but it's generally low. And he knows that you don't know what you're doing. He knows nobody knows what they're doing. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you should diversify across the entire spectrum because how, how can you justify doing anything different? How can you say, well, yeah, I'm going to put a higher percentage in growth stocks and a lower percentage in mid cap. You have no clue. There's no way that any of us can make a truly qualified decision. Maybe you've got a guess, maybe you've got an educated guess, but it is a hundred percent a guess because we have no clue what's truly going to drive those specific, I mean, we're talking about markets. I'm not even talking about specific stocks. You just don't know. Um, so that, that's why he recommends doing what he doesn't even do. Um, one of, uh, another one of his quotes. So he, he recommends the widest level of diversification that you can find, but he's also quoted as saying that wide diversification is only required when investors do not understand what they're doing. That's coming straight from the man that is giving everyone the advice of go to the most widely diversified option that you have. So within real estate and with specifically within syndicated real estate, one of the reasons that we love investing in syndicated real estate is that it gives you a ton of optionality from a true strategic diversification standpoint. So active investing in real estate limits you on diversification. If you're going to own specific assets, it's going to be really hard for you to get diversification across a number of assets. Not many people are good at actively owning and operating uh, single family rental homes and self storage units and multifamily and industrial buildings. But that's the advantage that you have when you can work with exceptional sponsors, general partners who are running these syndications is that you have the ability to say, okay, here's, I've done some research on self-storage. It's, it's very, very resistant to recessions. It was the most resistant through the whole 2008 
crash. So I want some amount in self-storage. Maybe it doesn't lend itself to as much cash flow or growth as small multifamily. But you can have a portion of your investments going to self-storage. And then you can say, I, I want some more opportunity for growth. I want the opportunity for some of my investments where maybe I put in $50,000 and it's got the ability to turn into $200,000 over the next three, four, five, six years. That could be small multifamily. And then maybe you want another portion of your uh, asset investments to go, go towards something that is much higher cash flow. And there are options out there that have tremendous cash flow and, and tremendous tax advantages, but much lower growth. You're generally going to give something up to gain something else. So you might give up growth to gain some cash flow. Uh, but you have all the ability in the world to create that within your own specific portfolio. Another core belief, and this proves itself out year after year, is that living on a single stream of income is one of the riskiest things you can ever do. A lot of people look at investing in real estate, investing in anything outside of the stock market as, oh my goodness, that's really, really risky, man. What if there's another crash? So they kind of don't invest in anything other than the stock market. They put all their money, all of their invested money in these uh, IRAs, in their 401ks, which they cannot access without significant penalties until they're 59 and a half. So then they have one stream of income and it is their W-2 job. And then all of the sudden that can go away. And then what do you have to live on? You can pull that money out pay full taxes on it, pay a penalty and access a portion of it, or you could have created all these additional streams of income that ideally are fairly passive. And if that W-2 job for whatever reason goes away for some period of time, you have the ability to now live off of that income that you were previously using to just generate wealth. So a lot of these things we view as important as life insurance. You wouldn't want to put your family at risk, not have any kind of life insurance. All of a sudden something tragically happens and you pass away and your family has all this stuff to figure out and there's, there's nothing coming to them. So when you have these additional streams of income that are not tied to you, that are, that are they're, they're tied to you from an ownership standpoint, but they're not tied to you in that you are not actively having to manage these, or at least not having to manage them as a full-time job and something, God forbid, happens to you, those streams of income are just going to continue. And those things are going to take care of your family. So uh, last thing I'll hit on, is from a core belief standpoint, know that we live in a world of abundance. A lot of people have this scared and uh, trying to avoid risk at, at any cost and know that there, there's money and there are deals everywhere. There are more deals than you could ever imagine that are available to you. There's not one single reason that every single person cannot achieve their financial goals. 
the only thing that is stopping you is your current belief system. You should challenge that belief system. You should dig into what your true options are. You should take complete control of your finances. Know that you were not created to be average. God did not create us to be average. He gave you all the specific skill sets that he, that he knitted into you to go live those out and to go utilize those to the best of your ability. So challenge that current belief system and go do one thing. Go take one step. I talk to my kids, they love sports, and we talk a lot about stacking days. It's not all gonna happen overnight. You shouldn't expect it to happen overnight. They don't expect to become amazing gymnasts or football players or basketball players overnight. But when you stack days, when you learn these fundamental skills, and then you hone those fundamental skills, and then you find mentors that can help you learn some of the nuances of the game, and you do that over time, all of the sudden you can separate yourself from the pack. And it's not even really about it in the financial world. It's not about separating yourself from the pack. That might happen, but who cares? You just want to achieve your financial goals. And so you can do that when you stack days. So pick one thing, start diving into it, stack days, stack days, and get good at money.